Let's Connect podcast series is brought to you by Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome. I'm Karen Cole, Editor-in-Chief of Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome, everyone. I'm joined again today with Debbie Craig, and we're here to discuss episode three of our series, and that is really how, and we're focusing today very specifically on how to shift ourselves, our cultures from survival to creation. So welcome back, Debbie. Nice to be here, Karen. Thanks again. Looking forward to diving into survival to creation today. Fantastic. So let's begin. Let's get right into them. What keeps us, let's first focus on the survival mode, because I feel just, and maybe this is more of a, a personal reflection, but kind of coming out of the pandemic and, you know, we're trying to get things going, but I feel very much we're still kind of stuck in the survival mode. Yes, Karen, you know, our brains are wired for survival. We, we naturally instinctively wired that way, and our brains are continually monitoring this incoming data and assessing whether we need to ready our body for a threat or reward, you know, to protect ourselves or to lean in and engage into what's coming at us, whether that is an email or a client or something happening in our family, or even sometimes the inner talk inside of our heads. And the wiring is naturally about 70% in stress mode because we need to be sort of more wired for that than for the rewards. Unfortunately, that's the way it is. But in a high change environment, like what we've just been through with COVID, our brains are now tuned to be extra vigilant because the risks have been greater, the change has been exponential, the uncertainty is just phenomenal and, and, and really puts us deeper and deeper into that fight, flight and freeze mode. And we sit most of the time now in our limbic system in reaction and response, purely driven through our unconscious programs. In all the programs and all the sessions that I've done, we, we're seeing now that people are saying to us that they're probably about 80 to 85 percent in stress mode. And, you know, when we think of a stressor in as an external environment, whether it's that, that bad news or you can't pay your bond or you've got a sick child or you suddenly have a performance review, which is terrible, or you've got a potential job loss or you have a conflict with a loved one, those are external events that automatically will put us into the stress state because now we're worried, we have risk and all of that. But the scary thing about the neuroscience of this is that because our brains don't know the difference between an imaginary threat and an actual threat, we end up turning on that stress response just by our thought alone, just by thinking about it. So every time we think about a past painful event or a worst future case scenario, like losing a job or not having enough money or someone getting really ill around us, we initiate the stress response and at, a, at a chemical level. And we flood our bodies with adrenaline and cortisol, and that takes our brains into place and into the limbic system where we're just fighting for our lives and we're focusing on just what's around us, our environment, how do we cope, our bodies, you know, what, what feelings are we, do we have, how do we move and get away from this threat, and, and we, our time becomes extremely focused in the moment. So it's really difficult for our brains then to find a space where they can dream about a future, where they can connect with others, where they can solve problems. We just don't have the chemistry or the brain state or the brain waves to be able to do that. And every time we think again about this negative situation that's sort of pending or about to, to loom on us, every time we ruminate or remember or imagine the scenario, we reinitiate that stress response. 
So you can imagine us in this perpetual sort of stress recovery, stress recovery, stress recovery cycle that never stops. And then slowly but surely our bodies go into an inflammatory state and we start losing health and start losing energy and start getting sick. And the other thing that happens in the state is the more we're in this sort of negative threat response and our brain is continually monitoring our body and our chemical system in our body, we end up in this thinking feeling loop. And actually, I don't know if you've noticed this in some of your people around you, we become more aggressive, more self-absorbed, more egocentric, more judgmental, more critical, more grumpy. Have you noticed anything like that, Karen, around you in this Absolutely. time? Absolutely. <laughs> Especially and when it comes chemistry, to road rage. You know? <laughs> and, 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 and the last bit I want to share about this with you is probably one of the most scariest and insightful and difficult things to digest is over time, our bodies actually become addicted to these chemicals of stress. Now, I mean, addiction is a very strong word and addiction is something we can't stop doing or, or can't stop. So when we are going into this lovely calm state, it's almost like we unconsciously manufacture or cultivate a scenario in our heads of what's gonna go wrong in order to get our fix of adrenaline and cortisol. And it's like that shot of a triple cappuccino or a, or a Red Bull that gives us, our bodies, a sense of aliveness. And we start needing to feed off that like a drug. So only if, in order for us to move out of that stress response, and a lot of it we see now is ability, uh, the continuous worrying, continuous frustration, continuous busyness, not able to take time out and do self-care, always needing to serve and, and please other people. Those are all sort of addictions of this stress response in different ways. We, we start creating those scenarios in our lives and aren't able to actually stop doing that for a long enough time that we can get a chemical balance and homeostasis back in our bodies. And that's the withdrawal process. And we need to go into the space of being completely uncomfortable, feeling like I really, really need to get my fix. And this all happens subconsciously in order to move through that and move to the next state. It's like trying to give up coffee or trying to give up sugar. You know how hard that is and the headaches and the irritability that happens when we do that. It's similar at a chemi chemical level on our own bodies. So before we can create the sustainable state of coherence or, or harmony within, where mind, body and, and soul are all sort of working as one, we really have to recognize that we're going to have to keep on helping ourselves stay in that karma state regardless of what's going on around us. And I suppose that's the hardest thing to do in this very high state. And if we take that to a team and a leadership context, you know, I believe that it's really the leaders, leaders need to have that higher level of awareness of what's happening in the brains and the bodies of their team. And if they're putting pressure on that team to put more and more triggers of stress onto the, onto the team and not creating space for that team to sort of decrease the chemistry or the, or the level of stress and threat and increase the level of possibility and empowerment and enabling people to do their jobs, even with lean resources, even with changing customer demands and hold that space for people to come into their right brain state and into their right brain waves and into their right body state so that they can actually make decisions, connect with other people, collaborate, innovate, tap into the intuition, trust each other, and not be these highly egocentric, competitive, <laughs> blaming, judging cultures that we see often in organizations today. So I believe that is the next evolution of being able to really build leadership capability and team alignment is understanding where we each are in our, in our brains and our bodies. 
Absolutely. I think you touched on a very important distinction for me. And one of the things that I, I am noticing a lot of is it's almost uh, this double down on pursuit of, of happiness. I'm going to call it that. And, and a lot of the workshops that organizations are, are pitching or using are aimed at kind of eliciting happiness. And I think we're confusing that with what you've mentioned here with what we should strive for is that sense of calm because happiness is a great emotion, but you know, sometimes there are things that you know, the environment doesn't dictate that they, they can be happy conditions, but you can still find that point of calm. And perhaps that is the distinction we're needing to look for. Yes, I mean, if you, I'm imagining, if you can imagine your mind, sort of a continuum where you've got the sense of calm and presence and harmony. And, and the other word that I, I found very, very useful and is used a lot in the heart math work to calm down your nervous system is appreciation. So if you just have a strong sense of calmness within yourself and sort of that it'll be okayness and I'm okayness with a sense of appreciation that other people have got value and appreciation for yourself, your appreciation for others, appreciation for what you do have in your life is sort of in the center of this continuum. And yes, you can spend a lot of time sort of worst case scenarioing and moving to, let's say, the left of the continuum that's got stress and frustration and anger and shame and all those other lovely what we call negative emotions or you can move right to the right side of the continuum and adopt a feeling of happiness or joy or inspiration and those are fantastic things to bring into your body but at all times in life you've got both in you but if you can get to the, the middle point and be in that sense of presence and calmness and mindfulness and appreciation you, from that point, you can choose and you could cultivate what state of being you want to be in, whether in this moment, a little bit of sadness is a good thing to be able to let go of something that's changing or whether to move in a state of absolute joy and, and happiness and inspiration because something something new is coming into your life. That, that beauty of choice for me is where true empowerment sits and the yeah. true ability to create and cultivate sits in that present moment. Absolutely. I think that's incredibly powerful. And I think it's a it's a good countermeasure to, you know, this kind of toxic positivity that we've got to be happy about all these things. And, and we really don't. But we do need to find that point of, of peace and gratitude for every moment or in every moment in order to move forward. And I think that touches on my next question. And I think you're going to get into the, the nitty gritty behind this. But exactly how do we start shifting now from this survival mode into a more creative mode or the mode of creation. So Karen, if we recognize the fact that we're 70 to 85 percent in stress and that we are probably about 90 percent conditioned to be negative and, and repeat what we have done and thought about and acted and felt the day before and the day before that and the day before that, because we are very subconscious, automated, programmed beings, unless we can create that level of observation and witnessing and awareness, then we're going to be naturally in that state of survival most of the time, right? So in order for us to sort of lift ourselves out of that and shift our bodies, so what we want to do is we want to shift our bodies from the sympathetic nervous system, which is the stress response, where we're in our limbic system, where we're in fight, flight and freeze, and all the resources are going to all the different body parts to cope. We want to be able to shift that across back to the parasympathetic nervous system, or the rest and renew and regenerate system that can refuel our bodies and where we can digest properly, where we can process all the right things in our body, where we can heal our organs and detox. That's the switch that we're looking for. Now, 
the way we, we do that is through a number of different aspects. I've got five here that I'll take you through quickly. The, the first one that we've all heard about over and over again is practicing mindfulness. And that's what we've just spoken about is becoming absolutely present. And just the best thing in this moment is to become present of where you are, your breathing. And in that breath, increase the breath to slower and deeper, deeper than usual. And consciously just slow down your thoughts and increase the level of awareness as to how am I thinking? How am I feeling? What am I doing? What's happening in our body? And just the ability to observe ourselves, it's called metacognition, you know, watching the thinking. And when you're in that observational space, you start having more choice because you're now noticing what's going on in you and you're noticing what's going on around you. The second aspect of this is to, you know, reduce that what we call the refractory period or the chemistry that's flooding our body. So cortisol takes about 20 minutes to sort of balance back in the system. Once you've had a shock, for example, you know, someone running across the road or you suddenly get this crazy call. But every time we think about it, we reinitiate the 20 minutes. So we're on this con constant cycle. So we need to, first of all, once that first trigger comes, we need to take time out. And whether that is going for a walk in the garden, taking a number of deep breaths, doing that sort of hot, coherent breathing, where we're focusing on calmness and appreciation and using those 20 minutes to actually shift your brain state and bring your brain back from the limbic system to the frontal lobe so that you can have the capacity to make good decisions, solve problems, be creative, have empathy, etc. So not just rushing from one trigger to the next or one email to the next or one meeting to the next is actually taking that time out to calm the chemistry down. The third aspect is to interrupt and to replace your patterns and habits. So once we've become aware of ourselves, that we've got some bad habits in terms of not listening or shouting at people or being over busy or reacting chemically to stress responses that we can rather not react to. And we can become aware of that. One of my favorites is just to say sort of stop it or stop cancel cancel is one of the ones I've learned over the years or control alt delete. So, you know, if you going through a sort of a program on your computer and you want to stop it doing something, you know, that escape button at the top right, you mm -hmm. want to control alt delete. You know, just start playing with these sort of little tools and you, you actually say to yourself, stop it. Because once you do that, you sort of you pruning and, and you removing that sort of habitual unconscious processing that's happening. And then you can switch that. So once you interrupt it, then you replace. You replace it with a word or a thought or an action, even something similar like, you know, moving from coffee to tea or moving from sugar to, you know, half a teaspoon of honey. The little habit switches make a big difference and your brain starts to be comfortable. And it's all about becoming comfortable with or familiar with new habits rather than the old habits. And then of course you can to be able to shift in in, in a second if you switch your attention from the negative to the positive through a number of different ways, you can watch a beautiful video clip about some inspirational person or, or scenario. You can walk outside and just watch the sunrise or set. You can smell the flowers. You can go to a great movie. You can meet up with friends that make you laugh or go and just play a little bit with a child or put your feet in the grass. Those are all things that actually can switch your body immediately into a more creative brain state. And then lastly, we've spoken a little bit, a bit about it is, of course, the gratitude and the appreciation. So, you know, if you can stop many times a day to just stop and appreciate where you are exactly as you are, sometimes just that I can breathe, that I've got hands, that I've got eyes, that I can see, that I've got people around me, that I've got a home, that I've got food, 
and a lot of people don't have those things. And then never mind appreciating, you know, what you may be creating or the role that you're playing or the people that inspire you. And, you know, we can actually measure your heart rate and what we call your heart rate variability in two minutes, switching from a normal state where you might be slightly anxious or frustrated to just focusing on appreciation. Your heart rate will come down in those two minutes. Your heart rate variance will move into a harmonious cycle. And that has a direct impact on your physical and mental performance. That's been studied now over 20 years. So when we start seeing the science behind this, and as leaders, if we can help our teams practice mindfulness and create mindful moments, if we can tell everybody, okay, let's take time out, let's go for a walk, let's come back, let's regroup, we are helping people to reduce their refractory period. If we in a team are starting to create better habits with each other, like catching people doing things right rather than catching people doing things wrong, or what do we communicate after a meeting, or who needs a bit of care today, those little habits really, really can shift the culture in a major way. And then how do we bring in positive things into the team, playing a nice video at the end of a meeting or beginning of a meeting or sharing good news or what have you achieved today rather than focusing on what's not working, what have we done, what are the numbers, which clients do we need to fix. You know, we, we're really working with this brain-body state that is got so much potential that I believe we're not accessing. Absolutely. I think that's fantastic and absolutely what you're saying, you know, just the technique I use with my own children is that habit of catching them in the moment of doing something positive and just making sure that that reinforcement is is constantly there. And obviously I am biased and I think I have wonderful children, but I definitely found that it has made a difference in terms of just getting them to, in a very positive way, you know, consistently exhibit good habits or good behaviors as opposed to being constantly shouting or or moaning at them around those negative things so i think it's an incredibly powerful technique and, and would be very powerful to use with teams as well debbie just at the end of our session today if you can share with us is there a special technique that you can offer us today for those of us wanting to shift from survival to creation well, I think the, the, the heart coherence practice is one of the most powerful, simplest and quickest ways that, that I've learned. And I've seen the science in terms of the heart rate variance monitor. You get a little gadget that you can put on your ear and you can see it happening in front of your eyes in two minutes. So if you'd like, we can just go through that in the Fantastic. last just to show, show you with that, that's what, what it is about. So all you need to do is if you want to do this with me is sit quietly wherever you are, wherever you're seated. And just start having very relaxed and open body language. So make sure you haven't got crossed arms or legs. You've got a straight spine. And just close your eyes and become aware of your breathing. First step, just become aware of your breathing. You're breathing in, you're breathing out. And now just ask yourself and give yourself permission to, to breathe a bit slower and deeper than usual. So allow your body to really bring in that air and bring that air out. You can count in for five and out for five, that also helps. So just slower and deeper than usual. Breathing all the way in. And as you're breathing in, you're relaxing your body, you're slowing your brain waves down. As you're breathing out, you're allowing any negativity, any stress, any worries to flow out of you. We just do that for another three or four breaths. And noticing as you're moving into the in-breath and the out-breath that your body and your brain is calming down. It might even feel a little bit of spaciousness opening up 
a little bit of possibility. And as you're breathing in and out, now bring into your awareness anything that you appreciate. And just use your imagination, use your memory from the past or the current. What do you appreciate about yourself? About what you have in your life? About what you can do, what you can see, what you can hear, what you can imagine? Or bring people into your lives that you appreciate? Or bring things into your life? Nature, jobs, friends, opportunities? And now breathe in and out with those nice five in and five out deep breaths. Breathe in and out that appreciation. And just notice how that makes you feel. And you might even notice at the sort of very fringes of your awareness, a slight little buzz, a slight little change of sensory perception as your chemistry starts to shift. As you bring in that slower and deeper breathing, your brain waves will start to reduce from beta to alpha and your sympathetic nervous system will switch to parasympathetic and start feeding your body and your brain positive hormones and positive intent. And take another last deep breath and you can come back and rub your hands together and bring come back to now. So Karen, that's a very short version of a heart rate coherence practice, but really you can shift your state in under two minutes. Fantastic. I really love that exercise. And I think all the tools and techniques you've been sharing with us throughout the series have been really fantastic. Thank you to those listeners joining us perhaps for the first time. You are listening to part three of our Neuroscience of Peak Performance and Culture Shift series. And that's, of course, in collaboration with Debbie Craig. Now, Debbie is the founder and MD of Catalyst Consulting and has been transforming organizations, teams, and individuals for over 20 years. Catalyst Consulting is currently offering workshops to organizations seeking to build resilience and well-being in uncertain times. And of course, you can be contacted directly for more information. Thank you so much, Debbie. Thank you, Karen. Have a great day, everyone.